I know uh, a lot of you have been to um, an orchestra concert, uh, or if you've not been to one, you've certainly seen a video of one. And so what happens uh, before the concert begins is the musicians come out uh, into, uh, onto the stage, and they will begin tuning their instruments. So they're just have all the different instruments trying to so get it ready for playing the orchestra concert. If you've been there, it sounds like chaos, right? Everyone is playing at the same time, trying to get their instruments in tune. It's just all over the place. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it stops. It stops when the conductor comes out onto the stage, uh, picks up his or her baton, and with the first wave of that baton, what happens? Those instruments come into sync. Uh, all the things that were in tune now come together. All those instruments come together, and they play in harmony. They play one piece of music together on the instruction of the conductor. And I tell that illustration as a way for us to sort of begin to, to understand what we're going to be talking about this morning. That sense of harmony, of wholeness, is what's behind our topic for this morning. What we see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, which I read earlier. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And first reading that... You mean, obviously, you're seeing this and think, okay, Ramon's going to be talking about peace and peacemaking. You might initially think that what we'll be talking about this morning is, okay, I'm going to talk about how there can be no conflict, no wars, no battles. That's, that's what it means to be about peace or to make peace. Um, but here's the thing. The, the, the biblical concept of peace, what's represented here in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, I mean, that's peace at a certain level. There's no conflict. Right? There's no battling. There's no arguments. But peace in the biblical sense is deeper than that. What we want to talk about this morning, the biblical concept of peace, ties into this Jewish concept called shalom. And shalom is more about this sense of harmony and wholeness. There's harmony and wholeness in your relationships. So that, yeah, we can say there's no conflicts. You're not arguing with people. Do you realize that's sort of the base level of what it is to have wholeness and harmony in your relationships? Shalom Biblical peace means it's not just that you don't have conflict, you're not fighting with people, it's that you have relationships where you're in connection with one another. You're sinking together. You're in such a state with the people around you that you can say, it's not just we're, we're, not, we're not fighting, but we're moving in the same place. We're doing the same good things. We're caring about the same good things. We're caring about one another in the same good and whole ways. There's, uh, I love this word, there's flourishing in your relationships. That kind of sense of flourishing, of wholeness, of harmony, of shalom, that's peace. That's biblical peace. And that's what we want to sort of get our, our minds and, and hearts around this morning. This sense of, of wholeness and harmony, of peace in the relationships that you have. Here's the, the amazing thing to think about. Our world was originally created to be like this. The world that we live, this world, planet Earth, was originally created to always be in that state of wholeness, of harmony, of flourishing. The world was originally created at peace. Peace with God, peace with one another. So think again of that, that, that illustration I mentioned of, of the orchestra. Imagine a world where everyone is in perfect harmony. Everyone's in perfect harmony with God, with each other. Everyone is in sync, like an orchestra playing beautiful music. Our world is to sing with the music of God as we related to God, as we related to one another. I mean, imagine a world where there's no sense of competition, no sense in which you've got to, like, one-up other people, right? You've got to sort of get around other people and sort of establish yourself. You, you don't have to do that. Why? Because God created a world where you knew your place. 
knew where you were at. You didn't have a sense of like, well, maybe it's better if I do this or I go this way. No, instead, you were in, in a situation where you could say like, I, I'm exactly where I need to be. I don't know where that person needs to be. And I'm able to relate to them in harmony and wholeness such that together we make something beautiful. That sense of, sorry, I'm adjusting this. Should I just push this out a little bit? Well, anyway, we'll go. <laughs> we'll roll with it. Um, imagine, I mean, a world where relationships are in such harmony with each other. It's like, uh, like, like hearing a choir singing beautiful songs or like the orchestra singing beautiful music. If the world was this way, and imagine what it is to feel this way, I think you can see the disconnect where, from where we are today versus where the world used to be. I mean, you read the news and maybe you look at your own life. I mean, it doesn't sound like beautiful music. <laughs> It sounds like clashing, like, like the beginning of that concert, right? Uh, everywhere around us, we, it feels, it's, it's not just feels, it is. People are out of tune with each other, out of tune with one another, and we're unable to get back in tune with each other. All around us, we see relationships and situations where we are prone to misunderstandings and arguments and gossip and conflict and tension and grudge holding and abuse and all these different things that make us dissonant, that make us unable to relate to each other in the ways that we should be. So there's not sort of beautiful songs coming from all the relationships around us in our world. Instead, it's almost like we're, all, we're competing with each other. Here's the song of my life I want to establish. No, here's the song of this other person's life. It doesn't fit. And so we don't try to think of how we fit together, how we become at peace with each other. I think of how I can overpower you so I can establish what I want in this world versus the other person. There's dissonance, there's, there's a lack of peace, there's disharmony with one another, but that stems because there's dissonance, there's disharmony with God. The reason there's disharmony and the lack of peace in the world is because we stop listening to the, conduct, to the conductor. God is the one who's established us and placed us in a space where we're meant to be related to one another in harmony, in flourishing. But what happens if you don't listen to the, 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 what happens if you don't listen to the conductor? What happens if you don't follow his lead? It breaks the harmony. It disrupts things. So that's why we are where we are. We're in disharmony with one another, but more importantly, we're in disharmony with God. We aren't in sync with him. We don't listen to him. We don't follow him. And that results in the kind of relationship that we have. In many ways, we're doing the same things with God that we do with one another. So think of all the ways in which we misunderstand God, in which we ignore God, in which we hold a grudge <laughs> against God. All these ways in which, again, a lack of shalom, lack of peace with God, the basis for then us to have lack of peace with one another. Us not being at peace with God is what leads to us not being peace with each other. And so this morning, if we're going to even begin to think about what it is to have peace in our world, peace in relationships, what do we got to do? We have to have peace with God, don't we? We have to start listening to the conductor, the one who made it possible for us to be in harmony with one another, the one who makes it possible for us to stay in harmony with one another. Fortunately, this is something, if, again, if you can think of it as a music that we've got to sync up with, sync up to, we don't have to create the music ourselves. God has done it already, and Jesus has it. God is already many steps ahead of us, making a way through Jesus for us to be back at peace with him so that we can be at peace with one another. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Trespass is another word for sin. So imagine our sin is the noise we bring into this world, the noise of 
rejection of God, disobedience to God, a noise that clashes all over the place, what God has done in and through Jesus Christ is bring a music that overpowers all that. The song that is Jesus, the song that is Jesus, which is God himself, is one that overlays onto this world and pushes past our sin, dismisses our sin, brings us back into unity, into reconciliation with God. And because of that, we can have peace with God. That's the, the next verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. That Jesus, that God, has now made peace by the blood of his cross. The noise of our sin is that strong, it took the death of Jesus to overcome it. Yet Jesus did it. God did it. He atones for our sins and makes peace now between us and God. Makes harmony now, flourishing between us and God. God brings us back in tune with him. Back at peace with him. And he does it through Jesus. That God is saying, look, you're looking all over the place. I'm going to bring someone to you. I'm going to bring myself. I'm going to bring Jesus. And you hear Jesus, you listen to Jesus, you follow Jesus, you'll get back right to that place of wholeness, of harmony, of peace with God. So question one of basically three questions I have for you this, uh, this morning is this. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God? Which is to say, really, do you have faith in Jesus? The Bible calls us to faith in Jesus, to believe in Jesus, which is a way of saying, there's a lot of music of this world I can follow. There's one song I will follow above all else. The song of God and Jesus. Faith in Jesus is how we harmonize our souls with God. And maybe I just want to ask you, is, is God singing Jesus into your heart and life this morning? There's ways in which God is, is showing you the possibility of what it is to live at peace with him so that you can live at peace with others. Whatever that, that still small voice is, wherever it comes from, listen to that voice. Hear those words. Hear what Jesus is singing to you. Hear what God is singing to you in Jesus. Faith in God, faith in Jesus brings us then aligned with Jesus, which means we're aligned with God, we're at peace with God. That leads us to really the second half of this verse. If you're at peace with God in and through Jesus, you become part of God's family. You become part of something new, part of God's kingdom. Jesus puts the spirit of God within you. And because God's spirit is within you, it allows you now to be part of the family business. The God who brings peace into this world now calls us to be about peace, to promote his peace in this world. That's the second half of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called sons of God. Peace with God means you're a part of the family of God. And we show, you show you're part of the family when you're part of the family business. When you're about peace, making peace in line with the God of peace. You read that, that term, it shows us to be sons of God. And initially, when you read that term, sons of God, you might think, well, the Bible's only talking about men here. That's not what's in mind here. You have to think of this in the Jewish context. To be a, a son of someone was a, was a way, I mean, biologically it means you're the, the son of someone. But more so, it's a way of saying you represent the character of that person. You represent who that person is, whoever you're the son of. So an insult back then is to say you're the son of a dog, right? You're not literally the son of a dog, it's to say... You're like a dog. You bear the character of God, of a dog. You act like a, like a dog. So to say you're the son of someone, rightfully it was to say, like, you are supposed to, you should, you do represent who that person is, what that person is about. So what Jesus is doing is he's looking at this crowd, right, of men, women, and children, all sorts of different people. Some of them, that's sons, others, many of them not sons. God places that, that status of sons. Sons of the most important father in the universe. 
you show yourself to be sons of God. You can be sons of God, which is to say you show yourself to be part of God's family and to embody then that family when you're about the things that God cares about. And one of the big things God cares about is bringing his peace into this world. You're called now to peace. God, by the power of his spirit, brings you into the peace that is his family and now says you are a son. Whoever you are, you are a son. You bear the status, the ancient status of a son, which means you're part of the family, you have the inheritance, you have all the things that belong to a son, and means you are a part of that family business. You're able to do one of the most powerful things in this world, a world that's divided in all sorts of different ways. You're part of the family business. You've been equipped to do the family things, to bring peace, God's peace into the world around you. So another question, question two of three for us this morning is this. Have you believed in Jesus? If yes, well, this is more of a comment, are you involved in the family business? You should be. To, be called, to know that you'll be called a son of God one day when you stand before God, the only way you'll know that is if you can say, hey, I have peace with God, and because I have peace with God, I follow the family business. I do the things of God, and one of the things that's most important for us to capture is this sense of bringing wholeness, harmony, to those around us, the wholeness and harmony that only comes in and through Jesus Christ. So, are you at peace with God in and through Jesus? If you're at peace with God in and through Jesus, are you part of the family business? Are you about peacemaking? And that leads us now to what we really need to talk about. What does it mean to make peace? What is peacemaking? To have peace with God brings you into his family, puts you part of the family business, and the family business, in one word, is described in this way. Peacemaking. You're a peacemaker. I want you to notice specifically that word peace that's in our passage. It's really important to notice. It doesn't say you're a peacekeeper. The Bible says you're a peacemaker. It's a peacemaker. And there's a difference here. To be a peacekeeper can mean you do whatever is necessary so that there's no conflict, there's no argument, there's no tension. And that's not 100% a bad thing, but think about what that could mean. To make sure there's no conflict, there's no tension means that you could be brushing things under the rug. Right? There's something that's difficult, I'll just, just put it under here. I don't want to deal with that. Or it could mean that you are uh, seeing things that are bad and wrong, but you compromise. You excuse it. You act like, oh, that's fine. That's okay. So you're keeping the peace, making sure there's no tension, no argument, uh, none of those things. That's not really, I mean, it's peacekeeping, isn't it? But it's, it's appeasement, isn't it? It, it's, it's ignoring the things that are actually there. It's not the flourishing and wholeness and harmony that's supposed to be in our relationships. Matthew 5, 9 is, is not talking about peacekeeping per se. It's talking about what? Peacemaking. Peacemaking is different. Peacemaking is us actively doing things, working on things, bringing things to light, having the conversations, encouraging the kind of changes so that it's not just people putting up with each other and just hanging out together. It's people doing the things in active ways that bring harmony and wholeness to the world around them. I like this quote. Uh, Peace is a creative force producing goodness and well-being. It's not just the absence of something. That's what we tend to think, just absence of something. But even more, biblical peace is the presence of something. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of aggressive goodness. I love that aggressive goodness. <laughs> Not passive goodness. I'm going to be aggressive about bringing good into this world and the relationships that I have. Again, I love this idea of sort of peacemaking as a creative endeavor. I think peacemaking in a biblical sense is the sense in which you have the ability to look at your situations and relationships and to see them the way God wants you to see them. Again, it's 
It's not us bringing this to the table. The only way we're able to act and work and do things is only by God's grace in and through Jesus Christ. But because of that, he gives you the imagination to see things differently. The imagination to see your situations and relationships differently. To see how there can be maybe healing in this particular situation. To see how there can be more wholeness and harmony in that relationship. To be able to say and do the things actively to bring not just a state of neutrality, but active goodness in the places God has placed you, in the relationships that you're in. So what are some examples of that? The first example, a peacemaker is an actively thinking about how they bring peace to people who are in conflict within themselves. If you're a peacemaker, the peace of God allows you to help people see, hey, you're, you don't have peace in your life. You need the peace of God in through Jesus Christ, and you're able to come alongside them in that way. A verse that I think that especially guides us is Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, when you do this, here's what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think a peacemaker is active in praying for those around praying for those around them and helping them to pray as well. And this is the Kozai's prayers, right? So you're coming and saying, I'm praying that the peace of God, peace of Jesus would be in your life, that you would present the things that are preventing you from finding, being freed from the anxiety and all the other things that are burdening you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying with you. I'm encouraging you to pray. So it's the Kozai's prayers, but I want to suggest, if I can stretch this a little bit, there's also uh, the open eyes prayers of encouragement, or active words of encouragement that you give to people. I think there's a way in which we pray. This isn't so much hands closed, uh, hands clasped, eyes closed, but it's the hand on the shoulder and saying, hey, I'm going to speak God's truth into your life. That's the sort of prayer, isn't it? I think at the times in my life, someone's put their hand on my shoulder, right? It's a prayerful hand. They're not clasping their hands, they're not closing their eyes, but they're putting their hand on my shoulder and saying, hey, Vermon, it's going to be okay. Here's what God is doing. Here's what we believe. Here's where we will still have hope. If you want to be a peacemaker, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is to see the people around you and to approach them, to put the hand on their shoulder, and to speak the prayers of the Lord into their hearts and lives. That's how we make peace. To help them not be anxious, but instead bring it to the only place that can release us from those things. For all the things that burden us. To God. And the peace of God will come to our life. So a peacemaker is, is aware of where, in the places in which people have conflict within themselves and comes along to pray for them or to speak prayers to them into their lives. Another example I think of peacemaking is, and this is the most obvious one, it's how we bring peace to those we're in conflict with or to situations around us where we see people in conflict. And here's the verse that I think guides how we think of this kind of peacemaking. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So notice what it's saying there. The peace of Christ, we believe in God, the peace of Christ comes into your heart, and it allows you, it gives you like the skill set to know what it is to be one with people, to be in harmony with people. It's out of that same skill set, the ways in which God has now joined you together with other people who found peace in God in through Jesus Christ, that allows you to continue to keep that peace. It's not just that God has brought peace into your life and then you have peace with each other at the beginning of you being a Christian and then you sort of can abandon it and do your own thing. 
The peace of God in Jesus Christ brings us together and keeps us together. So that gives us, again, the eyes and the imagination and the will then to do the things that allow us to be at peace with one another. So uh, in some conflicts, what does this look like? Let me, let me be very specific. In some conflicts, in some issues, some relationships, uh, you need to be willing to overlook some things. There's a great verse in the Bible. You may not like it, but it says this. Love covers over a multitude of sin. Not a little bit. That if your list of things that you're willing to just overlook is like four or five, <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> it's too small. The peace of God in Jesus Christ gives you the power to not say, like, it says a multitude of sin. Sin is a powerful concept in the Bible. It's a big deal. <laughs> and yet the love of God in Jesus Christ allows you to overlook a whole lot of things. To be willing to say, you know what, I mean, I, I'm willing to pass over this. To look around this. To let this go. And you do that in so doing so that there can be oneness, so there can be harmony and wholeness. So in some of the things that relationship we have, we've got to be willing to overlook more stuff. In other places, uh, we have to be willing to apologize. <laughs> that there's some relationships where we've got to admit we were wrong. And so uh, instead of being defensive, self-protective, making excuses, lying, you need to be in situations where you can be honest with yourself. Where you can have a humble strength to admit you're wrong and to confess it. And I use that word deliberately. It takes humility to admit that you're wrong. You have everything in the world to tell you you're not wrong. You have so many messages flooding you every single day saying you are more right than you're wrong. The Bible says, no, you're more wrong than you're right. But here's how you get freed from all that. Confess it, admit it. The Bible isn't so much saying, how can I make sure everyone is right? The Bible is saying, how can I make sure people admit more often than not that they're wrong and to know the instant you do that, the instant you do that, there's healing, there's wholeness, there's peace. And so some of the relationships, you have to be more willing to confess and admit and repent and turn away. It takes a humble strength to take that kind of responsibility. That's how peacemaking might look in some of your relationships. In other relationships, uh, you need to not brush something away. It is a hard and legit issue. It's something that needs to be dealt with. And so you shouldn't ignore it. And it might be tempting to ignore it because it's ugly and you want to go around it, but it's such a big thing. It's not the kind of thing to overlook. It's a thing that needs to be dealt with. In some of your relationships, you have to speak truth. The kind of truth with love, but a real truth. And to put the time and effort. That's how peace, again, not peace of just we're not fighting, but peace a level above that where we can be in harmony. And there's this big thing that's got to be dealt with. In certain really long-standing conflicts, peacemaking might mean you've got to just always leave the door open for forgiveness and reconciliation, even if the other person is not willing to walk in through the other door. So peace might look like, and again, it's not the full version of peace. Imagine like, imagine there's this r a room and there's two doors into it. One end of the, one end, the first door and the one end of the room is the door of forgiveness. The door on the other end of the room is the door of confession. Peace happens in the room, but one person's got to be willing to confess, and the other person's got to be willing to forgive. Sometimes we get that a little bit twisted. We think, well, I'm just going to forgive, and that'll be it. Well, no. <laughs> you got to forgive, yes, but the same way you found God in through Jesus Christ. You've, God forgave you once you confessed. And so for some of us, though, someone has confessed, legit confessed, and repentant, and trying to make amends, but you're still outside of the room. You gotta be willing to walk into that room through the door of forgiveness once there's been legit confession. For some people, oh, you've willing to offer forgiveness, but they're not willing to confess. You gotta be willing to stay in the room. 
to say, look, I can't meet you outside of the room. It can't happen. Then we're, I'd be brushing it under the rug. But once you're ready, I am here to forgive. And it's, it's a way of almost putting an overlay of peace that's always there and present that God can work with. God, he's an eternal God. He can work over many years. But a peacemaker says, I'm always willing to create that room and be in that room when there's forgiveness and confession so that there can be peace. Uh, for some of us, peacemaking is just being willing to be the third party. All the things I just listed, you're willing to put the time. You look at sort of messy situations and you're just like, ah, I'm out of that. <laughs> it's willing to sort of step in and say, hey, like you guys aren't communicating. You need to confess. You need to forgive. You need to overlook. You need to deal with this. Uh, confession, uh, peacemaking might look, might look like, hey, I'm willing to come alongside people wherever they are and to sort of be the, be the, show them the picture of what God wants to do so that there can be harmony, so there can be peace with each other. So um, peacemaking, helping people have peace with themselves, having people have peace with one another. Lastly, I think peacemaking means that you're just actively sowing the ground in our community so that there's peace. So more often than not, there's peace with one another here. A peacemaker is someone in our community who looks at the relationships around us and is always aware in which the noise of disharmony might come in, of conflict, of lack of peace. They don't allow the noises of grudge holding, of gossip, of mean sarcasm, of pettiness, of bitterness, of hypocrisy, and self-righteousness to come around. The instant we sort of let a little bit of that out of tune thing happen here, it spreads. One instrument out of tune tends to make others go out of tune as well. A peacemaker is just always sort of aware. I'm, just not, I'm not waiting for when something happens. I'm aware of, of the things that can lead to disharmony and a lack of peace. And it's these type of things where we show anger and abuse and grudge-holding and gossip and self-righteousness and all those different things. A peacemaker realizes those are noises that I want to always be aware of and to make sure they're not coming up with our community. And instead, a peacemaker in our community is just actively doing the things that allow us to be in peace and stay in peace. So a peacemaker is someone who looks at our relationships and is actively sowing emotional honesty in our relationships, spiritual authenticity, kindness, fairness, grace, mercy, humility, all the things that God uses to help us harmonize with each other and have wholeness and flourishing. You realize the power of grace and mercy in a relationship, what that opens up for how we are able to be in sync with each other and aggressively do good to one another. The significance of humility to allow us to be good with one another and to be good in one another that allows us to grow and go in the same direction. Peacemaker in our community, if you want to be a peacemaker, sort of aware of what can I do to sort of continue to raise the level of harmony, of shalom in our community. So question number three to consider for this morning. Think about it. Think about the places that God has placed you. The family, the school, the job, the church, the workout place, the hangout place, uh, the neighborhood block, the city that you're in. Think about those places and the relationships that you have in those places and ask, am I a peacemaker? Am I a peacemaker in the places God has placed me? Do you have the creative imagination to see the people you're connected to in the places that you're in to say, how can I be about peace in these places? Again, peace is not weakness. Peaceness, peace is a kind of strength that says, here's where something is, and I'm going to bring the peace of God in Jesus Christ to change it. To make it something different, to make it something better, to make it aligned with God in a way that aligns with one another and brings glory to God everywhere. Now, 
uh, let's just admit, I mean, this is hard, <laughs> what we're talking about. Uh, I say these things, but I'm aware of how sometimes I inch in this direction and I pull back in other ways, how this one might be easy to work out, but this other thing might not be easy to work out. I mean, this is hard, and in some cases, it feels impossibly hard. Uh, we have more tools to be angry at each other today. <laughs> we have more ways to gossip about one another. We have more ways to slander each other today. You have more opportunity uh, to be divided from someone and to stay that way and for you to be encouraged to think that it's okay. It's all right. When we put it that way, it might seem impossible to happen. But I think the Bible wants to say it's not just that peace of God can happen. It will happen. It will happen because God, the divine conductor, has already tuned us to Jesus. If the song of Jesus is in your heart, the Bible tells you that song will sing and will only get louder and louder and louder. To the point where Jesus overrides everything in this world. That has already happened if you've believed in Jesus. And the more people who believe and know Jesus, the more the song of God in Jesus Christ will ring through this world. And so maybe the simplest thing I could say is if you want to be a peacemaker, if you want to be a child of God, tune your heart to God. Tune yourself to Jesus. Look for the ways in which God has spoken into your life and called you to himself in Jesus and tune your life to that. I believe, I believe Jesus is always speaking, always speaking if you're willing to listen. The Bible's made clear you won't find Jesus here in the space of gossip and slander and anger of disharmony. You'll find Jesus here, the space of peace. And the road there is the ways in which God will call you to his grace and his mercy, the willingness to overlook and forgive, the willingness to actively address things, the willingness to do all the things, again, that bring us in harmony with the one who called us to himself in the first place. Let's pray uh, that God would bring us more at peace with him such that peace would happen everywhere we look. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the time we have this morning. And thank you, Lord, for um, what it means, Lord God, that you in Christ reconciled us to yourself and made peace by the blood of the cross. Lord, we're aware, Lord, of all the ways, Lord, in which um, we have not listened, Lord, to that call. So I pray for anyone this morning who has not listened to you, Lord, who's not, who continue to, to sing the loud clanging sounds of sin in their life. Lord, help them, Lord, to see uh, you, Lord, and to hear you. Um, to, Lord, to, <laughs> Lord, to hear the music that is Jesus and to bring their lives aligned and in sync with that. And Lord, I just pray, um, Lord, for wherever we are, Lord, and I, I'm, I look around in this room and I, I know more than a few people in the situations that they're in and the relationships that they're in. Lord, I pray, Lord, this word of prayer over them Lord, may all the things that there are on their hearts and their lives and all the relationships, we bring them before you. We ask, Lord, you bring your peace to them. Lord, flood their lives, Lord, with an extra sense of your grace and your truth, uh, your, your, your humility, Lord, whatever is needed, Lord God, so they have a better sense of who they are in relation to you, so they have a better sense of who they can be in relation to others around them. There's some situations, Lord God, where, uh, as we said, Lord, the room is, is open and only one person's in that room. Lord, give them this sense of confidence, of security, to know, Lord, uh, they can be there and trust what you're doing there. Um, for others, Lord God, to know, Lord, that there is actually healing available for them. There's power, Lord, to heal. 
uh, there's peace available to them, Lord. And Lord, may they step in that direction. May you lead them in that direction, Lord. Uh, and we thank you, Lord, for what will result as what will bring what will come about as a result. Lord, uh, thank you that you're the God of peace. Help us to be peacemakers, Lord, and so be your sons. Um, we thank you for this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.